Alright, welcome back to another episode of Baxter Buzz. I am your host, Baxter E. Hall. This is the Cool Motif Edition, uh, meaning that we will start the conversation around a musical topic, be it song, artist, or project, and then sort of go from there. So I hope that you enjoy Today I have one of my good friends and uh, uh, music lover, uh, Brian Gasly. What's up, B? How you doing? Hey, Baxter. What's up, man? Yeah, so super excited to uh, talk a little music today with you, which we will be doing anyway. Um, right. So I uh, decided to, uh, I said, let's pick a song, let's listen to it for like a week, and then let's just, let's just talk about it, right? So we don't have anything rehearsed. So right. um, typically, I'm a word guy. Mm-hmm. And you're like a music, music guy. And so I thought that if we had like some real genuine conversation, like on the fly, I think it may be some really good, good conversation yeah. to come out of it. So. For sure, um, man. Yeah, this is kind of what we've been doing for almost 20 years now. So right. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the, the drinks have gotten a little bit more quality, but the conversation is right. It's still kind of the right. same. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was kind of Stevie Wonder is sort of like I really started the podcast the the with the Stevie Wonder song, and so he's so important to me uh, just in general, and you know, arguably the greatest at any genre. I thought we need to stick in the in this in this realm, and so I decided on a on a, on a song that I was hoping that you weren't as familiar with yeah. because I thought it would be like a gift from me to you because <laughs> I knew you would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided, or I decided, to uh, have us evaluate and listen to the song "Superwoman" by Stevie Wonder, um, it, and it's essentially two separate uh, songs in a sense that sort of are, are tied together through this relationship that he's talking about. Um, but I know you wanted to to talk about Stevie and sort of <clears throat> kind of what he yeah. means to you, right? Yeah. Stevie is, you know, as anyone who may call themselves a music nerd, you go through a Stevie phase, right? It just kind of happens. He kind of, such an amazing songwriter, musician, multi-instrumentalist guy does it all. Right. So, and Stevie's always someone that reminds me of you because I was during in my Stevie period when we first started hanging out. So, oh wow, it's someone you actually introduced me to a, a bunch of things you probably didn't even realize back then as I was just starting to kind of dip my toe into those waters. So, uh-huh. but uh, so this song and actually this whole album, Music My Mind, was one that I had actually never listened to at all until. You, you brought this up, uh, we said a week, it's been about two weeks, the schedules didn't quite work yeah, out. Yeah, we had to work but, out some scheduling. Uh, yeah. And really didn't know much about it, didn't know the history behind it or any of those things. And I just kind of do what I do with music, which is listen and then go straight to Wikipedia and every other source I can possibly find to try and learn about place in history, where in the career, where, where does this kind of slot in and things like that and with uh, happy to be getting into this, but disappointed that it took me this long to find this <laughs> album and this song because I absolutely loved it. Well, I'm glad that you liked it and you liked it. I thought you would. Um, and and mm-hmm. it, I kind of like, you know, there's so many that there's like Stevie, like number one hits. And then it's like 
Stevie like uh that black people we all know that you that we think is a hit but it was like number 48 like it topped out at number right. 48 but like everybody every black person like knows it right and then there's these these like hidden gems that are mixed in with these b-sides yeah. that you go dang nobody everybody doesn't know this so um this was one of those that was like perfect match as far as like such a, a great song, but not well known, like not very well known, like right. not one of his it, hits. Well, it, it, it charted. It was like, I think, I think I remember, re, you know, Wikipedia again. So hopefully they were accurate, but in like the 40s or something. Yeah. On the R, like a pop charts, high up on the R&B charts. You know, this is early 70s, right? This is 72 when, mm-hmm. when this comes out, which is considered uh didn't know coming into this this is this album was considered like the starting of stevie's like classic album period like this is the first one coming out like not actually on motown for this this was out outside of the barry gordy sphere of producer control and all that and uh was really his first time be able to pick who he wanted to work with make the songs how he wanted to make them and you know as he was doing before writing up and down the album with him and his wife. I'm sure we'll get to th- those stories in a little yeah. bit. But yeah, uh, yeah this just it was just a really cool kind of window into what was going on then in Stevie's life and other things that were going on in the, re- in the record industry that I really wasn't tuned into before kind of going down the rabbit hole like I do. Yeah, St- Stevie started a lot of junk uh, at, at, <laughs> at Motown, really fighting for his creative freedom. Yeah. And um, maybe the first one of that of 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 those Motown artists, and then sort of uh, set a trend, right? And it was it was Marvin after that, very and, soon after, like yeah, within months. Like the, the, these two albums, this and um, what's going on, are like within six months of one another. As far as Motown albums, aren't really Motown albums, right? Right, right, and then um, and that's a whole nother uh, man. That, that that's where album. I thought we were going. Honestly, I thought we, we talked. We, we were going back and forth a little bit where we were going to start. I it was going to be. I thought this time period, like this, you know, style of music. Yeah, it was either going to be a deep cut off of uh, what's going on or what you picked. I'm, I'm glad you did. Like I said, this was something that was new to me, so this was uh, cool to dive into. And then the other thing, which maybe we'll talk about, but maybe we won't. So I'll just say it now. Um, there's some uh, layering of some background vocals where Stevie is essentially layering himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anything it's, that I've... So it's not just that. I'm not sure how, you know. Okay, like, I'm going to just say, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you nerd out. <laughs> let me just speak my civilian piece of it so uh marvin has always been credited from wherever i've seen is either the very first or one of the very either the first or one of the very first to to layer in his own background Mm -hmm. and it's like you know marvin has such range it's almost like if you 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 tell the background person to sing it like this it's like, dog, no. <laughs> nobody can sing it like that. <laughs> I'm just, you know, like, I can't do that. Yeah. And I don't know if that's how it started, but I know a lot of it was he was setting up these things because he was really in his, in his producer phase, right? Another influence of Stevie. Right. And then um, 
and just going, man, I probably sound better than everybody else anyway. And so keeping a lot of stuff and then starting to layer it, which normally you would have a, a background, a group or background singers yeah. to come in studio to record. Right. Well, it's definitely the, like, the evolution of recording technology and processes that were used during this time period, uh, overdubbing, stuff like that, meaning you record one and then have that playing in the background, do another one over top of it and just kind of build up a track instead of having everyone in record record in the same room at the same time with a bunch of different microphones trying to isolate out things. Yeah. Uh, this is also uh, kind of a stereo recording believe it or not, was a newer thing at this point for a like mm. wide release. It wasn't, a, a, this was the first single that was put out like ever that was put out in stereo and not in mono, meaning that it's, yeah. Oh, I went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I kept going. I, this is just the start. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so this was the first one uh, to actually release as a, only as a stereo single uh, ever was, was this song. Um, so I'm glad you picked up on Stevie doing the background vocals on this. Uh, Stevie did everything, like literally overdubbed everything outside of the guitar. Every sound you hear on this record is Stevie Wonder. Everything. Uh, the you know electric piano in the beginning. There is no actual bass on this. It's actually a synthesizer. Uh, hmm. The the people that uh, he brought in two guys uh, to help co-produce this entire album, who actually developed and created this synthesizer that he used on this and started using on this onto talking book onto the next albums going through that kind of classic period of stevie wonder um the reason they had to bring them in to do it is because synthesizers aren't like they were in like like 80s through now where you get this box and you play stuff and it, it happens no this was like a board of you see the old wires and stuff you see for old footage this they yeah. had to go through and hand wire these circuits and do all of these things to get these sounds to come out. So it's uh, wasn't the first artist to use it, but one of the first ones to use it so prominently across this. Uh, yeah. you know, Pink Floyd, some other, like there, there's some bands that were doing it at the time, but you pretty much had to have these mad genius type producers in there to know how to not only produce this sound, but how to record it and how to make it sound good, right? Yeah. Which is where, when they were, all over this album and through the next few albums. This was their first album working together where they kind of were feeling each other out and getting everything right. And then use that through Talking Book, which is the next Stevie album that comes out like six months later. Yeah, he was which kind is crazy. of on the roll. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Um, okay, anyway, let me yeah, back, sorry. let me let me have yeah, you back up. nerd stuff. Sorry. No, 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 but let me back, let me have you back up and explain the, the mono versus stereo. Yeah, so you'll probably notice in uh, some songs where you see you just you just have like certain like certain voices, certain instruments in one ear versus the other, or what they call pan from you'll start here and then come over here as you're listening to it. Right. That wasn't a thing because when they were recording up until this, it was mono, meaning it's one. You get the same signal out of both both speakers or through both headphone signals. Um, that's the way they were like everything was done because it used to be just one speaker uh, like uh, mm. stereo sound wasn't something you really even had until the late 60s so you would you would be releasing both mono and stereo versions of both lps and singles were always mono until this in fact if you get into like record collecting and what is worth more and all this like 
uh, stereo copies are sometimes harder to find than mono because they were just less made because less people could actually play that through their sound system at the time. So, gotcha. Wow. So it's like okay. Wow. Okay. Let's not go. Let's not go any further down that. Yeah. One. But no, that's yeah. <laughs> um. So. So. When so I listened to I've been listening to it for a couple of weeks in between some other things that that I'd rather not talk about on this podcast. But I've been through a very uh, different moods the past couple of weeks, and sometimes you need yeah. some things to get your you get your energy right. Um, mm-hmm. But um, as I was listening to it this morning, I had it on repeat as I was shaving, and I kept thinking about these stories. And I kept thinking, what's up with you? Like, what's up with you, dude? Like, are you this, um, are you this bitter guy that's like resentful that this woman is, is, has, you know, maybe we should back up and talk about the lyrics. Yeah. So we can kind of go there. So, um, so Superwoman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about Mary wanting to be a Superwoman, and um, he he talks about it's almost as if he's implying that what, but he goes, but is it is that really in her mind? So like. He's almost implying, like, is this real? You want to be a, a, a movie star? Is this real, or is this some something you, you're cooking up in your mind? Do you, you know? And mm-hmm. and it's almost he trying to see both sides of it. It goes from a concerned partner to I can also see he's just kind of hating a little yeah. bit, kind of like bitter, right? It was, uh, I'm sure we'll get to like the chorus at, at one point, but the very well phrase in that can be read so many different ways if you want to do it uh, very well, almost like dismissive. I like to think that I know you very well. Does that mean he knows her very well or is he being dismissive again? It's all yeah. this kind of fun wordplay through there that I just, I'm not a words lyrics guy ever, but even this one got me. I was like, okay, like, yeah, he, he, so what what is he saying he he says but he goes you know um before we go before we go there the the mm-hmm. line um and all the things she wants to be she needs to leave behind and i was like whoa is he saying you have what you need right now, but you don't right. recognize but, it. Well, I think so. In my interpretation, yeah, he he feels bitter about being left behind for her going on for these new things. Everything you're looking for is already here. But you, but you're looking. But yeah, but you don't real, you don't realize what you have in front of you, right? Right. He feels a little bit. It feels a little bitter, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but then he goes, but very well, you know. I believe I know you very well. And then he says, wish that you knew me too very well. Right? 
What is that like? What does that mean to you when he says, "I wish that you knew me too"? Very well is also very is, well. Yeah, yeah. At the end of that part too is like, I know you inside and out. I know what you're looking for. It's right here. I wish that you knew me well enough to know that I have your best interests at heart. Yeah, That's one way. It's but it's also that is that very well phrase is the fun one that can throw any interpretation you want, depending on how you want to read those two words. Yeah. Because it could be the very well, like dismissive type thing. It could be the three times he uses it through that phrase. You, you could, any one of those, you could either read positively or negatively, depending on what picture you're trying to paint. Right, right. Um, and I think I can cope with everything going through your head. So he feels pretty self, it's he's pretty self-centered right now. And um and a little, you know, a little resentful for the fact that she has dreams outside of maybe him and the life that they've um you know maybe started or that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean yeah. it, it, I thought he was concerned. And maybe it was just me trying to defend the men. And, the, you know, like, the more I listen to it, I'm like, man, I don't know if I could defend you anymore, Stevie. Like, Yeah, it's it, – it, I read it as bitter, too. Okay. Especially, I think, and we were talking about – this is, like we, you mentioned earlier, kind of a song of two parts. Too. Right. So is it supposed to be chronologically? Is it him looking back? from the second part of the song back to this first point, like there, there's a couple other ways to read that too. So it's a, yeah, it's a fun song lyrically. So tell me, um, before we jump into like the second verse, um, we know we're talking about the first verse in the chorus, like anything, uh, you know, uh, not lyric related that, that stood out to you. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I mentioned before there's Stevie plays almost everything on all this, including background vocals, except for one, except the electric guitar. It's the, like the jazz guitar you hear through all this is like the only, only person he brought in for, for this entire song. And it's, I think it serves this first portion of the, like the, the first part of this song equally as well as the back part where you, you get a lot more prominent jazz guitar, but there's a lot of cool, kind of understated guitar parts through all this if you try and listen for him and isolate him out this guy can mm. play and he uh, he brought in a perfect a, a talented guitar player for a reason so okay uh um so nothing else between the first verse and chorus that you want to nerd out about no but i reserved the right to re to circle back to this if needed but i don't think i don't think so i think we're okay good. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, so he starts the that second verse. Uh, you know, Mary wants to be a superwoman and try to boss the bull around. And um, I, I, I thought it was just metaphorically, you know, like trying to boss the man around, like trying to, you know. See, trying to box the is, box, right? You didn't, you didn't go to Wikipedia, did you? No, I no. I, I'm, I'm giving you what I <laughs> what I thought, and then then my 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 research and and kind of what I found out, yeah, is that uh, 
Yeah, so we should probably jump in. I mean, th this song is inspired by his first wife, yeah, uh, Sarita, mm -hmm. and um, and co-writer of the song, by the way. Co yeah, which is yeah, which they had a very interesting um, relationship, yeah. but um, yeah, he uh, Stevie is a Taurus, so uh, he's talking about himself when he says trying to boss the bull around, right? So mm -hmm. so when you start getting into the the uh, the research piece, and you can add some context to what just b besides the words. He, go, he goes, uh, but does she really think that she will get by with the dream? Um, Stevie Wonder is, he didn't hit the lottery and stumble upon a couple of dollars. He is arguably the most gifted musician and artist that's ever lived. So yep. he probably has a pretty decent uh, opinion, pretty high opinion of himself, <laughs> right? Just a bit, yeah. I mean, I don't it's know okay. how I would be if I was if yeah. I was Stevie. <laughs> I'm pretty humble yeah. today, but I, I ain't Stevie. <laughs> yeah, you know. So it's mm -hmm. like you, you know, he, you know, he's looking. You, you know, you were, you know, you're writing a little bit. I'm giving you these opportunities. And you got the nerve to have your own dreams, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Go I, on. I know you got something to add. Yeah, like wanting to be supportive, but she's also a rival at this point too, right? Fighting for writing credits on his own albums. Like this might be like uh, you could read in this a couple different ways, like that. Like she wants you. Uh, this is me doing a little more digging. Uh, you know, biography wise, she was trying to start her own recording career at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't, wasn't happy just being a background vocalist and a, and a writer for, you know, the, the old Motown days. She wanted to, you know, have her own records doing things. And he maybe wasn't cool with that, which is surprising a little bit, but you could, yeah, it's competition still too for resources. Why, like, she was writing good songs for him. Why can't I have all of these good songs? Why am I having to compete with your own projects? And it's, and you're my wife. Right. Right, so that, you know, any possessiveness that he feels. And also at the same time, right, he is finding his own way. He's a kid. Yeah. But He's how 19, he, like, 20 years old at the time. Really? Jeez. See, that's I, I didn't do the whole data. Like, is he re he's really easy? Early 20s, very early 20s and 71. That's nuts. God, so that's nuts. they get married, and <laughs> so he's becoming a man, right? You know, he mm -hmm. um, they get married, he's 20 when they get married, per Wikipedia, yeah. So he's trying to feel his way out. He's trying to uh, flex his, his muff, muscles and influence with the, the, the record label. He mm -hmm. has this father-like figure in, in Barry Gordy who he's trying to, you know, sort of stand up for himself, right? Become his own person, his yeah. own artist, his own man. Yeah. And now, he's, now he has, you know, uh, a wife and 
who's also, you know, a collaborator and, and competitor mm-hmm. in some in some instances, and he's trying to fill all, all this out, right? So, um, yeah, th- there's probably a, a couple of different dynamics that he's dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. Even though he yeah. respects her, what she brings to the table, yeah. he probably wants her all for himself in every aspect. Right. You know, so... Mm-hmm. Um, so then, um, he says, my woman wants to be a superwoman. And I just had to say goodbye. Because I can't spend all of my hours starting to cry. So it's back about him. Him. Yeah. She wants. Go ahead, B. My woman. Wants to be a superwoman, right? Yeah. Is that the lyric? That, that's that, the, that, that's that, the lyric. Okay. Yeah. That that's you know starting with the possession right there in the beginning, right? It's, yeah. No longer Mary. She doesn't have a name now. She's my woman, right? It's right. Uh, it's it's like it's almost like, and it's a very, if you think about it from a writing standpoint, it's a very it, it progresses from the first verse to that chorus when he's very well and he's, mm-hmm. it's not dismissive, it, in my opinion, it's him trying to come to grips with it, right? Right. Very well. But then he got, mm-hmm. you know how, uh, I know you've never done it, I also just speak for myself. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you 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 try to you get into it with, with your wife and you have some back and forth and then you know what the classy thing is to say. And then you say it, but then you say some slick stuff behind it. And it's like, and you're, 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 you're sort of, you're trying not to let your emotion get the best of you. That very well is like, it's cool. No problem. Very well. Yeah. But. Okay. But I know you. You know, but very well. very well. Yeah. But, but I wish you knew me, like I knew you. But very, you know, it's like a he's he's sort yeah. of torn mm-hmm. between feeling like he wants to be supportive, but he's just so hurt he can't get he can't get outside of his own feelings. Yeah. So so then, um. So I just had to say goodbye, right? Um, because I can't spend all of my... Think about the, the last part of that second verse. He goes from Mary Mary wants to be a superwoman. Um, the, you know, that first, I don't know if it stands as the correct word. But then that, that second piece of that first verse is, now he goes, my woman, and I just had to say goodbye because... I can't spend all of my hours. It gets very possessive as this as this song mm-hmm. progresses. Progresses, he gets very much more possessive. Mm-hmm. Um, anything about the second verse B that we missed? No, I think we covered it, man. Okay, so now he, he back to the chorus, right? But very well. 
I believe I know you very well. I wish that you knew me too very well. Um, and I can think, and, and I think I can deal with everything going through your head. So you're, you're, you're growing, you're doing these things, and somehow it's still about me. I think I can deal with everything going through your head. I, I'm, I'm going to try my best to be here for you, but I'm, but I'm terribly insecure about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a very much, it feels very, it feels very torn between two feelings, right? Wanting to be supportive, but just, he just doesn't mm-hmm. have it in. Yeah. Now. <laughs> so we get to this bridge, right? Yeah. And, Since uh, all over the place, all, like create, like kind of mellow synthesizer through all that kind of, whole tempo change mood shift of all of that which is a a very the start of this like classic stevie transitions normally between actual tracks on albums but this he does it within you know one song where he takes one feeling and does this nice transition to something totally different where you don't even realize it's happening until you're halfway through the 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 next song yeah 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 um so from a music standpoint, is that transition, does it feel like, um, is it, is it, is it a true transition in your opinion, musically? Is it some sort of like cleansing of like the palate? Yeah. To kind of go into the next piece of that? Like, how do you view that from like a music standpoint? Yeah. Uh, First, should have gotten this off the not classically trained. My mom's a music teacher. That's about all I got. And I barely paid attention half the time. I just listen to a lot of music and think I enjoy things from a bunch of different genres and just. Okay. You know, like that way. But for me, I'm not like, from a technical standpoint, I'm not sure what we call it or whether I'd call it a true transition. I mean, it is definitely a different feeling between the, the first part of this song and moving into the second part. Yeah. Uh, not sure if you you found this in your research, but this second, well, the second part of this song, we'll call it, was yeah. a song they had released uh, earlier, like a, a year earlier a year on a different album. Yeah. yeah, on a different album where it's not the same. Some of the lyrics are the same. The melody was changed a little bit, but it's pretty much like a reinterpretation of another song. But mm-hmm. I found it interesting that they, you know, they released this as a single. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they had the the second half like if, I, on radio play whether they played the second half of this or if they just played the fir- the, the first half this is an eight minute song yeah there there are very few songs that will they'll you know this was back like you're lucky to get a two and a half minute song play on the radio low on eight minute right. version of this right um, but uh yeah but i I see it as two different songs, mainly because they released the second part of this as a different song a year before. But the the so I had to go back and listen to that to that song, yeah. the original song from so. So by the way, per Wikipedia, this was released in March of '72, right? Yeah. They they were married in '70, divorced in '72. They were married 18 months. Wow. 
So they was by the time they got between the honeymoon, they was already starting to break up, right? Yeah. So it's like that, but that 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 song in 71 was not the same song. Same, some same lyrics, but in in my brain, it was a it was a different sentiment. Okay. Um it it was but it was connected. It felt it felt like it was written. It felt like in 71, it felt really, it was, he was hurt. And in this version of it, a, a, little, a year later, some of those same feelings, but, but a more uh, reflective look back on it and okay. not in the, like actual in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing stuff out there, but that's no. how it, that's how yeah. it felt to me. That's how it felt to me that, yeah, like there's some good stuff here. I need to revisit some of this stuff, but but um, in my brain, the the second half of this song was more metaphoric, um, where he really spent a lot of time with the with the with the changing of the seasons in that first in that song that was released in '70. Yeah, so this so this transition comes. And it's a completely different, like literally a completely different song, right? I mm-hmm. mean, the the music, um, it's more of a a ballad. Yeah, it's like it's like a jazz ballad type of deal, right? Very heavy jazz influenced guitar work through this section. You you could hear it in the first section. Same 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 guitar player, same everything else, but this is much more structured around. Uh, in my opinion, much more structured around, you know, jazz, more jazz guitar focused than more the, the synth R&B Stevie stuff from the, and it feels a little more old fashioned, right? Like yeah. It's, yeah. Which is, like, which is like, I can't, it's unfair to say it's like Stevie's bag because Stevie got a lot of bags. He either got yeah. a lot of bags he can get into or like a really big bag with so much different stuff in it. Yeah. But when it comes to like a nice, ballad even though he isn't the strongest vocalist you feel when he's when he's when when, there's emotion yeah there's emotion in everything this man does right it's not just vocally like playing on everything but i thought i'd get into it earlier but uh the drumming on this is fantastic for for both sections of this song stevie wonder is one of the most underrated drummers like around for any genre of music stevie wonder is like a genius drummer uh a lot of not just keeping time but some of the cymbal work and some of the other things where there's little rhythms that are like if you isolate them out and like how is he doing that and then also keeping a rhythm on two other drums with his feet and everything else going at the same time you can do that on most stevie wonder drum songs like how did he think it was okay to try that, let alone do it for an entire song? Yeah, and this is a, a good. The, the second section, especially, is a good reflection of that. Huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, listen to the drums on Stevie's songs, man. Especially ones where there isn't anybody else listed on the on the liner notes. Like, yeah, he's a he's a fantastic drummer. He just he's just gifted, man. He's just gifted. Yeah. Um. So. So he goes into like this, this like you said, like more of this jazz ballad, right? And he says, you know, when the summer came, you were not around. 
now the summer's gone and love cannot be found. Where were you when I needed you last winter? Question, where were you when I, when I needed you last winter? Um, so in my brain, it was always like, um, it was like in the summertime, nobody wanted to have a have a mate, right? It was like, no, this is time mm -hmm. to hang out. And then, you know, we call it like cuffing season, right? You 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 find yeah. somebody to hold on to it when it gets a little colder out and you're yeah. not running, you know, you're not out and about as much, right? Mm -hmm. But that's too simple for Stevie, right? This is um this is you know metaphorically speaking, right? He's saying now you're you know summer came and you you gone you you um when the summer came you were not around now the summer's gone and love cannot be found so like you you're you're back summer's over mm -hmm. but not 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 the season it's the it's the it's the the time in our lives it's the time in your life it's the time in right. your relationship the the happy times the good times right yeah. now things get a little tough again yep and where were you when i needed you last winter mm -hmm. it's cold you know uh times are tough you need you need support uh, you, yeah you need someone there supporting you Right. Yeah. Where were you? You're here when th things are good now. Where were you where I needed you? Right. And and when the winter came, you went further south. There's no there's there, there's no throwaway lines in this. Right. right. It's like I'm listening to him. Okay, well, you went further south, right? So you were it's like okay. Were you still, you were still searching for something, or was that is that was that depression? Yeah, could be. When things got really tight and cold and and tough, you went further south mentally, emotionally. Yeah. Um. See, I'm a simple man. I thought they were going. Yeah, he's going to Florida. <laughs> She's like, I need a break. Yeah, I, I I'm Snow gonna go down and see my go. parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, parting from love's nest, right? I feel like she never left. They physically that they were just in this weird space, mm -hmm. and. There was, I wrote a note, which I don't know where it is, um, <laughs> where she was, she became regretful. He became even more resentful. It's wow. like, it's like, why is it that whenever we get chased, we want to run? Mm -hmm. And then when you start chasing, then they want to run. It's like, come on. So now she's sort of, you know, she, you know, he goes on to say, you know, but you say now you have changed, right? Now she's saying, I'm sorry. And now he 
now he's now he's defiant. He was going through his own, his own emotions, and now he's going through this. Well, but tomorrow's going to be just like before. <laughs> now he's turning his head. He doesn't want to have to deal with it. Because now she's regretting whatever, right? And it's just this yeah. back and forth, you know? Talk about talk about um the 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 irony of him writing this song about Sarita when she's a co-writer. Right. That was the thing. I, I I kept coming back and forth like what did she write? What part? <laughs> and yeah, what 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 were her lines in here? Because it seems very one-sided. Right, it seems very much from this this male or the the vocalist point of view for all of this. Did she like what influence did she have over this? Was this softened at all? I I mean, I hope not because this is all st- very kind of harsh and like I wouldn't say mean, but definitely very direct criticism of the relationship they were in, or at least what most interpretations people have of this song, of what was going on in their lives at this point. This is a du- like about as direct uh, addressing things in their relationship as you're going to get of this for the time period. So, I have a I have a theory. Okay. What if she didn't write one line? She was just the muse for it, and he gave I, her writing credit. I. I thought about that too. This is almost like, yeah, I'm going to talk a bunch of shit about you on this record. Here's some money. Um, that's a way you could do it with publishing and stuff like that. And for, especially for a song to be released as a single, she got some money off of this. So can't really, you know. Yeah. And, you can and complain, they, they, maybe not too much. Well, and, and they, they divorced in 72 but this they is early, this is early seventy two, right? I mean, this is March. This is so, March when it's yeah when this when this is released. But that I mean, this was probably not. I, I mean, I'm not sure when this was recorded, but I'm guess. I mean, it could have been recorded. You know, October, November, seventy one. You know, yeah. But they continue to work together. Yeah. Um, and write on his stuff. She he produced her entire first. Yeah, album. Not gonna lie, one of the first things I checked is I went to the talking book notes, and for "You Are the Sunshine of My Life," and what I know is she was the second vocalist on that song, because we we joked about this for years that you know it's two vocalists, and then Stevie says, "Okay, here, hold this," and then he just goes off for the rest of the song with one of my favorite vocal performances he has. I'm like, <laughs> did he really just kind of toss her a couple lines at the beginning of that song to keep her happy? But no, it wasn't her. It was a different vocalist, but. I was really hoping it was her, okay. but it was not. <laughs> no, it was her. And then she said, oh, no, I'm not going to be no. part of this. <laughs> they brought another vocalist in, right? Right. Yeah, they brought yeah. another woman. I, 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 I know we're getting off track here. I always feel bad for the first guy because it's like the most vanilla-like vocal performance. Second female vocalist, you know, jazzes it up a little bit. And then from Stevie's first line, he's just belting out like, uh, I'm not going to try and sing on this podcast. You don't pay me enough for that. Uh, but, but yeah, he just kind of goes for it for the remainder of that song without doing backing vocals throughout the rest of it. So, he's incredible, man. He's incredible. Yes. Um, and I and I think that 
you know, we benefit as 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 fans of these folks' heartache, but like the fact that he was still collaborating, yeah, with this woman that was, you know, breaking his heart. Right. They, if you they, listen to the lyrics of these songs and you know take them uh, as the truth of what the relationship was, I mean, he's heartbroken. But they spent years and years working on each other's projects, co-writing, background yeah. vocals. Well, after she had been, you know, uh, moved on, married, he had moved on. He, you know, he 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 did okay. He he, he wasn't yeah. sulking for too long. Yeah, yeah. Like we were saying, this is the start of what for. Uh, a guy who has a like a 30 40 year recording career this is his classic period if you get to be an artist and they have you have a classic period you're doing yeah. okay and not this a was classic kind of, album right not just think like man yeah i'm sure we'll touch on some other songs across these albums uh as we keep doing this yeah. but uh it was a good run we'll put it that way yeah no kidding no kidding um so there's uh so let, let let's try to wrap and 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 finish up the song and I got a couple of of just a, some weird interesting tidbits that interesting to me. Um yeah. what uh what about uh as we as we kind of wrap up and mm-hmm. we you know we hear the chorus again and in the, the end of that third verse anything else musically or anything else that that stood out to you? Um no I think I hit most of it. One thing uh I mentioned the guitar player again because he's literally the only other person on this record outside of Stevie. Uh, he was a, one of Aretha's guitar players. He played with like a, a bunch of people like throughout the years, but more of a, a session guy than anything else. But he's just coming off of some of the Atlantic stuff that Aretha was doing around the same time. Like this is like within months of each other uh, playing on each other's records. So oh, uh, very well-known guitar player, but more of like a background guy. Gotcha. Uh, Buzz Feeton is the guy's name. I hope I'm pronouncing pronouncing the last name right, but uh, look him up. A lot of good okay. stuff. Okay. Buzzy. But no, just Buzz. Oh, I saw. Don't disrespect the man's name. I respect. Saw you got to respect Buzzy. Buzz. Okay. I saw a note that said Buzzy. Okay. Which kind of sounds kind of kind of a little fresher than Buzz, but yeah, either it's way, playful. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Buzzy. Um, we'll go with Buzzy. <laughs> um. So. This is what happens when you just don't know when when you're gonna turn to a pumpkin when you've been up as long yeah. as I've been up today. But been a long uh, week, man. This has been great, man. Yeah. Um, Thanks for having I, me. Man. This is a lot of fun. I, I I definitely want to do this again. Like uh, we had to to reschedule a, uh, a time or two, but this has been like super fun. And I hope for like the music music nerds, the Stevie nerds. I really hope that they learn something. And it, it was like a, a discussion that they can sort of follow along and, and maybe add to. So, um, again, Baxter's Buzz, uh, Brian Gass, and this is sort of the cool motif edition of it. And looking forward to the next one, man. This has been cool. Please comment, like, subscribe if you're on, listen to a podcast, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Peace.